6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. As we continue our Decision Canada coverage today, uh, we know that the world continues to deal with COVID-19. And in here at home, the Canadian Medical Association is urging the federal political parties and candidates to make health care an election priority. It says the next federal government has an opportunity to play a critical role in ensuring an effective COVID-19 pandemic response, supporting the health uh, workforce, supporting a, a, the health workforce and building a health care system that works for all Canadians. And has even gone so far as really outlining how to do it with a roadmap to get there. Let's find out. With, uh, let's find out more with Dr. Catherine Smart, who is the president of the Canadian Medical Association. Dr. Smart, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jaylene. All right, uh, you've been watching, I suspect, closely over the past uh, week and a half. Uh, are, are you hearing some of the things that you'd like to hear from the leaders on the campaign trail when it comes to healthcare? Well, I think we're certainly happy to hear people finally talking about health care. You know, it's, it's an issue that for much too long has been neglected. And I think what's happened with COVID-19 in this country has shone a light and how fractured our health care system really is. Um, so I'm glad to see the leaders talking about it. Um, but I don't think I get heard, you know, actual details mm. on in terms of solutions and how we actually affect real change in the system, which is what we need. Yeah, so the, the CMA has uh, put together a four-pillar policy roadmap, as it's being called. And at the top of that list, it says, you know, lead an effective COVID-19 response. I guess, number one, my question is, do you not believe that it has been an effective response so far? And number two... What does it look like moving forward? Well, you know, I think as we've dealt with COVID-19 over the last 18 months, we've had some major losses and we've had some wins. You know, long-term care early in the pandemic was a disaster. Uh, we had a huge loss of life there mm-hmm. and that, that was, you know, very concerning and I think showed us what happens when you have for-profit health care without national standards in terms of what's acceptable. Then we've had other things that have been, I would say, a win. You know, we've been fortunate to procure enough vaccines for our country. Um, the provinces have done a great job at rapidly rolling out vaccination programs, but now we're reaching the limits of how effective those are. It's very clear with this fourth wave, with the Delta variant, that the rates of vaccination we have, even though they're high, they are not high enough. And there's pockets of our population, particularly young adults and, and adolescents, who are inadequately vaccinated. And that is driving this fourth wave, the Delta virus. In, in this response, in the, in the, the effective COVID-19 response, uh, pillar. It also talks about developing a, a vaccine passport system for international travel, deploying a domestic vaccine certificate program. And, and we're seeing across the country right now different provinces handling this differently. Uh, some saying, hey, you use this app. Others saying, here's a piece of, you know, a, a, an actual card. I, I had a conversation months ago with, with someone on this saying that, that Canada was so far behind the eight ball on uh, on trying to get this done because it didn't have really a, a national data system to put all the information because the health is because the health or health uh, care breaks down into a a provincial issue so how do you get that done on a national level 
that's absolutely one of our major challenges and I totally agree with you you know right now there's so much talk about vaccine certificates they make sense they are an incredible lever to get this final percentage of Canadians vaccinated but obviously it would make sense if everyone used the same vaccine certificate Mm -hmm. and you know you pull it up on your phone or whatever it's going to be and it was the same across the country it would be much more efficient it would be more reliable it would be more secure it would likely have better privacy safeguards but these are some of the challenges we have in our system where there is a lack of federal leadership and then we see provinces going different directions and unfortunately I feel like right now some of our provinces are acting like this pandemic is over which Mm -hmm. it clearly is not. Um, In the uh, second pillar it talks about uh, building a a health system for the future and you touched on long-term care in in one of your one of your comments earlier and and, and that is something that I that I believe um, you know obviously our eyes were opened so wide over the past 18 months about what is happening on that front um, and, and I'm hopeful that something will get done given the voices that have have uh, you know the folks that are using their voices to get things done what does that look like for you moving forward Well, I think a few things. We need federal standards on what long-term care should look like, minimal standards. We need better support for the people that work in long-term care, better wages to allow our personal support workers in these environments to be able to do their job. We need support for older persons to age with dignity where they want to be. And Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, that's enhanced home and community care. Um, So we need more options for people that really you know, allow our older Canadians to receive the respectful care they deserve. What about the capacity of our hospitals? What about the capacity of our of our system? What what needs to be done there? That is a huge challenge. You know, yeah. again, what we're seeing now is nurses in particular leaving the healthcare system in droves. It's very concerning. Nurses are an incredibly important part of our acute care system, and they're highly trained and skilled healthcare professionals. And the fact that we're losing them at high rates is very concerning for for the system. We also, you know, are, are seeing our hospitals overrun yet again with patients with COVID, which is further causing delays in terms of things like elective surgery, diagnostic imaging. We already had a massive backlog from the first three waves of COVID, and we were already working in environments of austerity and underfunding, and and how we're going to catch up on that and actually help Canadians with the things they need is very concerning to us. Dr. Catherine Smart is the president of the Canadian Medical Association joining me this afternoon. One one of the one of the pillars, and and I think that a lot of folks maybe don't think about it until it happens to them or someone they know or they they read a story uh, in a newspaper or hear it on the radio. But one of the one of the things that you say must be done is to commit to reconciliation and anti-racism. What does that look like in the health system? We are calling on the next federal government to implement all calls to action of the Truth and Reconciliation Committee. So that means addressing the structural inequities that continue to marginalize Indigenous people and advance inclusion of Indigenous people in our systems, including the healthcare system. We need more Indigenous healthcare providers. We want to commit to collaborative and respectful relationships with patients, Indigenous patients, and the communities they live in. We know that racism is a structural determinant of health, and we know it's a big driver of health and social inequality. And until we address racism in our system and really commit to reconciliation with Indigenous Canadians, 
we are not going to be able to achieve health for all Canadians. Dr. Smart, before I let you go, um, you know, we, we, we've touched on this four-pillar pillar policy roadmap. That's a bit of a mouthful this <laughs> afternoon for, for some reason. What will you be using this for? Are you, are you moving forward over the next three weeks, what are you watching? Are you watching to see if candidates are, are talking about this, committing to this, what the parties are going to do? How are you going to use this roadmap? Well, I think we're going to use it to have conversations like you and I are having today to really outline for Canadians, you know, as the candidates' physicians, what we feel is important to improve their health care. And hopefully we will see our fellow Canadians join us in asking these questions yeah. to their candidates, asking them for actual plans. How are you going to address these issues? And, and having that expectation that health is made a priority in this election. Dr. Smart, always enjoy our conversations. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Have a great evening. Yeah, you too. Uh, Dr. Catherine Smart is the president of the Canadian Medical Association. I want to let you know that uh, earlier today in Halifax, uh, Justin Trudeau announced that a re-elected Liberal government would spend $6 billion immediately towards the reduction of health care wait lists, as well as uh, $3 billion over four years to hire about 7,500 family doctors, nurses, and nurse practitioners. Now, that promise or a similar promise was made in 2019, and the CMA says hey, you know what, we really haven't seen any ongoing commitment uh, to this issue. On the Conservative front, uh, leader Aaron O'Toole said uh, rather than cut health care, a Conservative government would make record high transfers to the provinces to ensure every Canadian can benefit from free high quality health care. He has promised to uh, boost the annual growth rate of the uh, Canada health transfer to at least 6% from its current rate, which is tied to how much the economy grows in a given year. So it's got a floor of about uh, 3%. Uh, he's looking at about $60 billion over 10 years. So health care, not surprising on the minds of a lot of people during this election campaign.